welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 135. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Particularly weird show for you folks this week, exploring the stranger side of peer pressure. The art of persuasion is just that, an art. Whether it's getting customers into your hamburger joint with a catchy logo and theme song, or whether it's getting your dumb college roommate to drink pee by telling him it ferments after six months and gets you totally high. Heavy-duty peer persuasion puts people in the White House and puts troops overseas. Both Kevin Arnold and Paul Pfeiffer were pressured into trying cigarettes. The Mayans pressured Roland Emmerich into farting out another crappy movie. And the bossy, gross-smelling squirrel woman in my dreams pressured me into letting her call all the shots today while standing in line at the post office. I hate what she makes me do, but sometimes she just won't stop screaming. We make some pretty crazy decisions sometimes in our less autonomous of moments, and the outcomes vary. Sometimes you end up getting to second base with Winnie. Other times, you end up with a mouthful of urine and no buzz to show for it. Well, let's get things started off, per usual, with a hundred-word story. This week's Drabble is called Eat the Dog, by one of the weirdest people in our discussion forums, Reverend John Sleestax. The good reverend does not have any cats or fish, and can claim no writing awards or mass publishings, other than his blog at cwtstraydog.blogspot.com. The CWT stands for Chicken Wearing a Thong, in case you were wondering. And two self-published books. One, Like a Monkey with a Handgun, is a collection of rants and short stories, and the other, With a Mouthful of Razor Blades, is a motivational book. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? But that's what his bio says. This story is one of Rev Sleestax's self-imposed drabble-a-day writing exercises. Now that's healthy motivation. The chant was so unison, it was almost one voice. It was his first band camp. He wanted to make new alliances. This was to be his year. He was going to be the man. He was going to get a girlfriend and kiss her. And then his parents sent him to this camp. Now he's in the circle with the whole camp chanting and watching him. What's this going to accomplish? It's a team-building exercise. Now you will draw from their strength and share a bond that cannot be broken. Now it's simple. Just eat the dog. The Drabblecast neither approves of nor endorses the ingestion of dog. However, we do quite enjoy team building and chanting. Our feature story this week is called Hello Said the Stick by Michael Swanwick. Michael's received the Hugo, Nebula, Theodore Sturgeon, and World Fantasy Awards for his work. His stories have appeared in Omni, Penthouse, Amazing, Asimov's, High Times, New Dimensions, Universe, Full Spectrum, and elsewhere, including the Drabblecast, way back in episode 84 when we ran a doubleheader special on him with his stories Hush and Hark and Meta Science Fiction. This week's story, Hello, Said the Stick, was a Hugo nominee in the short fiction category. Joining me as one of the characters in this week's story is the man himself, the one and the only, the guy who puts the smarty in smarty pants, 
literally smearing thick globs of Smarty all up and down the fabric. The guy who first coined the phrase, don't let the cat out of the bag, because seriously, this is a dentist's office and that's the last thing we need running around. Some call him Don Ely because he's the godfather of science fiction podcasting. Others call him The Quickening because he compels immortal beings into eternal combat. But in today's story, we'll call him Stick. Steve Ely, the man behind Escape Pod, the weekly science fiction podcast that'll blow your mind and make you spill smarty all over yourself. Check them out at escapepod.org. So without further ado, Hello, Said the Stick, by Michael Swanwick. Hello, said the stick. The soldier stopped and looked around. He did not touch the hilt of his sword, but he adjusted his stance so he could reach it quickly, if need be. But there was nothing to be seen. The moors stretched flat and empty for miles about. Who said that? I did. Down here. Huh. I see. The soldier poked gingerly at the stick with his foot. Some sort of radio device, huh? I've heard of such. Where are you speaking from? I'm right here. The stick. I'm from off-planet. They can make things like me there. <laughs> can they now? Well, that's interesting, I suppose. Pick me up. Take me with you. Why? Because I make an excellent weapon. No, I mean, what's in it for you? The stick paused. You're smarter than you look. Thanks. I think. Okay, here's the deal. I'm a symbiotic mechanism. I was designed to be totally helpless without a human partner. Pick me up, throw an acorn in the air, take a swing at it, and I can shift my weight so you can hit it a country mile. Leave me here, and I can't budge an inch. Why would they build you like that? So I'd be a good and faithful tool. And I will. I'll be the best quarterstaff you ever had. Try me and see. How do I know that you won't try and take over my brain or something? The soldier asked suspiciously. I've heard of off-world wizards that can make devices that do things like that. They're called technicians, not wizards. And that sort of technology is strictly prohibited on planetary surfaces. You have nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, even so, it's nothing I'd want to chance. The stick sighed. Tell me something. What's your rank? Are you a general? A field commander? Tramping alone across the moors like this? <laughs> no. I'm just a gallow glass, a mercenary, and a foot soldier. Then what have you got to lose? The soldier laughed aloud. He bent to pick up the stick. Then he put it down again. Then he picked it back up. See? <laughs> well, I don't mind telling you that that takes a weight off my mind. I could use a change of scenery. Let's go. We can talk along the way. The soldier resumed his stroll down the dirt track. He swung the stick lightly back and forth before him, admiring how it lopped off the heads of thistles while deftly sidestepping the sedge roses. So you're off to join the Iron Duke in the siege of Port Morningstar, are you? The stick remarked, conversationally. How did you know that? Oh, one hears things, being a stick, fly on the wall and all that. That's an unfamiliar figure of speech, but I catch your meaning. 
Who do you think's gonna win? The Iron Duke or the Council of Seven? It's a close thing by all accounts, but the Iron Duke has the advantage of numbers. That always counts for something. If I had to bet money, I'd say you chose employer as well. <laughs> well, that's good. You know, I like being on the winning side. Less chance of dying, for one thing. They'd progressed several miles across the moors when the sun began to set. The soldier laid the stick aside and set a snare for supper. By the time he'd pitched a tent, made camp, and cut peat for a fire, he'd caught a rabbit. He roasted it slowly, and because he had a fondness for drumsticks, ate all six legs first, along with three small bunyips, boiled with a pinch of salt from a tin. Like many an old campaigner, he ate in silence, giving the food his undivided attention. Well, he said, when he was full and in the mood for conversation again. What exactly were you doing out here in the middle of this godforsaken wilderness? The stick had been stuck into the earth on the opposite side of the campfire, so that it stood upright. I was dropped by a soldier, much like yourself. He was in pretty bad shape at the time. I doubt he's still alive. The soldier frowned. You're not exactly standard gear. No, I'm not. By compact, planet-side wars are fought with primitive weaponry. It was found that wars were almost as environmentally destructive as the internal combustion engine. So... Whoa, 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 wait. Internal combustion engine? Never mind. It's complicated. The point I was trying to make, though, is that the technology is there, even if it's not supposed to be used. So, they cheat. Your side, the other side, everybody cheats. How so? That sword of yours, for example. Take it out. Let's get a look at it. He drew the sword. Firelight glimmered across its surface. Tungsten ceramic titanium alloy. Self-sharpening never rusts. You could slam it against a granite boulder and it wouldn't break. Am I right? Uh, it's a good blade. I couldn't say what it was made of. Trust me on this one. Still, you're <laughs> a lot fancier than this old sword of mine. It can't talk, for one thing. It's possible, said the stick, that the Council of Seven is, out of desperation, pushing the envelope a little these days. Now that's a figure of speech I've never heard before, nor can comprehend. It means simply that it's likely they're using weapons rather more sophisticated than is, strictly speaking, allowed by the Covenants of Warfare. There's a lot riding on this siege. The Iron Duke has put everything he has into it. If he were defeated then the worst the Council of Seven could expect would be sanctions and a fine. So long as they don't use tack nukes or self-reprogramming viruses, the powers that be won't invoke their right to invade. Tack nukes or self-reprogramming viruses? Again, it's complicated. But I see you're yawning. Why don't you bank the fire and turn in? Get some sleep. We could talk more in the morning. But in the morning, the soldier didn't feel much like talking. He packed his gear, shouldered the stick, and set off down the road with far less vigor than he'd had the day before. On this, the stick did not comment. At noon, the soldier stopped for lunch. He let his pack slip from his shoulders and leaned the stick against it. Then he rummaged within for the leftover rabbit, only to make a face and thrust it away. He said, I can't remember when I've felt so weak. I must be coming down with something. Do you think so? Aye, and I'm nauseated, and I've got the sweats as well. 
The soldier wiped his forehead with his hand. It came back, bloody. <gasps> Chort, he swore. What's, what's wrong with me? Radiation poisoning, I expect. I operate off a plutonium battery. It's you. You knew this would happen to me. Unsteadily, he stood and drew his sword. He struck at the stick with all his might. Sparks flew, but it was not damaged. Again and again he struck until his strength was gone. His eyes filled with tears. Oh, foul and treacherous stick to kill a man so. Is this crueler than hacking a man to death with a big knife? I don't see how, but it's not necessary for you to die. No? No. If you grab your gear and hurry, you just might make it to the Iron Duke's camp in time. The medics there can heal you. Anti-radiation treatments aren't prescribed by the protocols. And to tell you the truth, you do more damage to the Iron Duke's cause, alive and using up his personnel and resources, than you do neatly dead in the moorlands. Go! Now! With a curse, the soldier kicked the stick as hard as he could. Then he grabbed his pack and shambled off. It was not long before he disappeared over the horizon. A day passed, then another. A young man came trotting down the dirt track. He carried a sword and a light pack, and he had the look of a mercenary. Hello, said the stick. Well, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Story feedback time. Let's go back and see what you listeners thought about episode 131, Storm Comes a Callin' by Jeremiah Tolbert. The Mighty Twix said, I have to give my hat off to Mr. Tolbert. All of his stories are reality-bending machines, gripping through the ectoplasm of the mundane and booting that mother for 10 points on the Jumbotron. Yes, this is how I feel. A great story of a man wrestling old demons and coming out on top. And I love a story where enemies respect each other, despite knowing what they have to do to each other. Many stories make this cheesy, but this is well done, with the music at the heart of it. Digital Sater said, I really enjoyed this story. The blues, wind, and rain all mixed together and made for some great imagery. Definitely my top five thus far. Well done. And M.A. Kelly said, I live in Florida, and this story made me rethink my hurricane supply kit. I know now that all I need is a big, badass axe. When the storm comes, I'll break that mother up. Great story, great narration, and great sound effects. Plus, a kick-ass blues song. Nice all around. It was fun working with Cheyenne Wright for the music. He somehow channeled the spirit of Tom Waits into his voice. We love having listeners contribute and add to the community. Join our discussion forums and say hello. You don't have to eat dog to be our friend. And speaking of listeners contributing, special thanks to Josh Hugo, a.k.a. Mr. Tweedy, for whipping up this week's episode art. I think it pretty much says everything it needs to. Josh does great work, any design work, graphic, web, you name it, he's your guy. Check out his site at freemodemedia.com. And this week's 100-character TwitFix story winner is Eric Marsh, for a fun little nubbin of a story. Twat this puppy out on her Twitter feed earlier this week. The problem with infinite parallel universes is that every possibility must occur. Ed mused. 
on his billionth birthday. Follow us on Twitter for the goods, or try your own hand at 100-character story writing. Post it on our forums. You're bound to win at some point. That's the problem with infinite parallel universes. Our kick-ass donor of the week this week is... Adam Hollage. Adam had mixed feelings about being donor of the week this week, because he likes to keep a relatively low profile. But it turns out he's as afraid as I am of what the foul-smelling squirrel woman in my dreams might do if he didn't give in. Adam's a software engineer in the aerospace industry, lives around the DC area. He thinks bicycles are beautiful and he makes pizza from scratch, and he says that he and his wife have built an off-the-grid house in New Mexico and are planning on building another one in Virginia starting in the next few months. Uh, do you know something that we don't know, Adam? I mean, you'd let me know, right? If gelatinous puppet master aliens have already begun secretly infiltrating the government, you'd, you'd tell me, right, bro? Come on, man. Screw everyone else. I'll help you build the freaking Virginia shelter. Just don't let them get me. We appreciate Adam and all you other folks out there who donate a little here and there to help us out when you could otherwise get the show for free. You're not only helping us keep the show going every week, but you're helping us improve it. If you'd like to help support the show, click on the donate buttons from our website, Drabblecast.org. Well, hey, that's our show. The Drabblecast is produced under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it or sell it, but share it freely. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and yours truly, Norm Sherman, reminding you to speak softly and carry a radioactive stick. <laughs>